That's good timing because that's a one-seed worship song. That's one of our songs. And someday I believe our songs are going to penetrate into other churches, that they're going to be singing one-seed church songs for the Lord. It's not about us, but it's about us taking the gospel forward, and that's what we're doing. We've got a brand-new song coming out any day. I'm just waiting on the mix to come back from Nashville, Tennessee, featuring Noel Lonnie leading that song. And let's give it up for Cheyenne, who's 13. It's been a couple years. No, it's not. It's been a little over a year. We just figured that out. Since she sang, and my goodness, watch out, church. In a few years, we're going to be blowing people out their chairs with the worship leaders growing up in this place. That's what you got to do. You got to root up tomorrow's generation to be leaders for tomorrow's generation, and that's what we highly believe in. So we'll put them out there. We'll put them out there, and we're going to nurture grow and invest. And that's what we were doing. Before you're seated this morning, I want to give you a special passage to this new two-week short holiday. Can we say Christmas? Can we still say Christmas at church or is that, does that offend anybody if I say Christ Christmas? That's a joke. That's a joke. We say Christmas. When I was in school and it was time for a week off, it wasn't holiday break to me. It was Christmas break. And I'm sorry, that's just who I am. That's why I was off school. And that's not to be offensive. But hey, we're taking off because the Messiah is coming. Tis the season. I want you to go to Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45 real quick. When you have it, just, just emoji and amen or type amen. This is before Jesus has entered the world, but he was already planned to come to the world. And this is where Mary is congregating with Elizabeth, their cousins. And guess what? They're both pregnant at the same time. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? I mean, two babies, two moms, cousins, God has weird timing for everything. But if we go to chapter 1, verse 39 and read, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste, like she was anxious to get over to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth, their husband and wife. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb. Not the baby in Mary, the baby in Elizabeth leaped in the womb. When? When she heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in the womb. And Elizabeth immediately was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, let's not get this confused here. This is not the same infilling that happened on the day of Pentecost because the Christ had not been glorified yet, but the Spirit of God still could do things. It still entered people according to this dispensation at this time. And if God's going to do it, he's going to do it. And right then when the baby leaped, God then filled Elizabeth with the Holy Spirit. Verse 42, then she spoke out with a loud voice and said to Mary, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, Mary, you should come to me for indeed as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. The baby leaped when he heard 
the sound that you spoke into my ears, into my womb, the baby leaped. And blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told from her, for, from the Lord. And we're going to come back to that verse 45, because that may not make sense to you, but it will in a little bit. Blessed is she. She's talking about Mary. Mary, bless you, because you believed on the Lord for what he promised. As you're seated this morning, just look to your neighbor and tell them, tis the season. Tis the season to be jolly. Anybody remember the end of Christmas story? When the turkey got wrecked? <laughs> tis the season to, I can't go any further than that. Watch it. It's a great holiday tradition. We like to watch the Christmas story, the Santa Claus, the Santa Claus movie with um, Tim Allen and they like to watch Home Alone 15 times, and uh, I like to browse on my phone. I try to watch the movie. I have like a two-minute movie attention span. It's a problem. It's a problem I have. It's not that I don't want to watch the movie, Nalani. It's that I just can't seem to stay connected in the movie, and I drift within two minutes. You think that's bad. You ought to see us at a movie theater. Why am I in the bathroom and headed out in the hallway so much during the kid's movie? Is it because I have an attention problem? I don't know. I'm going to pray about that. Before we get into the, the message today, which is a two-week series called Tis the Season, I want to remind you of something awesome we're doing, which is a pledge campaign for a building fund. You heard right. We are planning to purchase a building, and it shall be done in the Lord's timing. But in order to do the Lord's will, it takes a collaborative effort. It doesn't fall from the sky. If you believe in the mission, then we're going to challenge you today to come together and pledge with us. You can go to 1cchurch.org slash pledge. And what that is, it's a, it's a form you fill out and say, I want to pledge. And there's, there's no right or wrong amount to pledge, but it is money because it takes money to, to do what we're doing here. This is not a thing that is gifted to us. It's a blessing to, to give out the gospel, but it costs money to be in a facility to host church and to congregate and to do great, great deeds for the community and all these things that we want to do. So there's this pledge campaign. You can go to 1cchurch.org slash pledge. And over the next th three years... We are pledging as a church to raise $500,000. And what this money is going to do is going to assist in acquiring a building that we're actively pursuing real estate as we speak. We're investigating. We're figuring out where we can land, what we can do, and what God wants us to do. And then once we acquire it's going to take some money to make it a church. And then once we make it a church, it's going to take some money to keep the lights on and all these things. So it's a very practical thing to facilitate God's kingdom. And we believe it. That's why we, we, we give joyfully because giving to God's house is, is the most rewarding thing we can do. It really is. And that's coming from a guy who grew up not wanting to give to anything, to anyone. It was about me. And when I had that shift in my life and I started to tithe and I started to really give and not hold on to what I was trying to control. God blessed me more than I could even, I lost track of the blessings at this point. It's like an overflowing fountain. But that pledge campaign is there and um, is tax deductible and we're just so grateful for anybody who wants to take part and lock arms with us. And I tell your neighbor, if they don't belong to the church but they wanna pledge, some people just wanna give, truthfully. And uh, hey, we're open to giving. We need giving to support God's house. And we can do big things, church, when we lock arms together. 
Tis the season to be jolly. La, 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 la. Nobody ever learns the rest of the song, do they? Does anybody else actually know the rest of that song? Cheyenne does? I just know the first line. What's the, what's the best part? What's the best part of Christmas? Christmas. What's, what's the, especially when you're like younger. What's the best part? Come on, somebody. Is it, is it the, the nice breakfast that we have? No, they're shaking their heads. Is it the nice um, things we do at church? They're shaking their head. No, well, they're not sure what to say to that. It's a trick question. It's the gifts, right? It's all about, no? Oh, come on now. My kids are sitting in the audience shaking their head like, no, it's not the gifts. So you're telling me, Caleb, say, yes, it is. Okay, thank you for being honest, Caleb. I can tell you right now that as much as I've tried to teach my children about giving, they would be disappointed Christmas morning if there wasn't no presents. I didn't say croissants, I said presents. That's how we say it. If there was no presents under the tree, they would be like, oh, well, this is still cool. I mean, we're blessed. It's cool. And so, like, the problem with, like, the really cool things at Christmas time, what happens is they get on back order, you know? And, like, the really good things that aren't out yet, they get on back order. And just hypothetically speaking, and it's weird that they're actually in the audience I'm talking about this because normally they're not in the audience. But it's hypothetically speaking, if I back ordered something for you that was just so amazing that wasn't there on Christmas morning, it wouldn't really be exciting, would it? Because you had nothing to open. Like, if I, if I gave you a card on Christmas morning, come on, somebody. If anybody liked Christmas cards on Christmas morning instead of gifts, and I said, you're going to be blessed in the next 10 years, and God's going to overflow your cup, you're telling me that's going to make you as happy as a nice new Xbox or a nice new, you know, video game if you're eight or, um, you know, a nice camera if you're Cameron? You know, is that going to make you as happy as something physical, something tangible, something you can see that has come to fruition in the moment. Anybody, if you're with me online and you're feeling this, just emoji, I, just say, I need a gift. I need a gift. I need a Harry and David pastor if you really love me. I need a gift. Don't tell me about blessing. Let's get real. I need cash money, Amazon gift cards, pastor. <laughs> but Christmas wouldn't be the same, unfortunately, if we opened up a bunch of envelopes and just forecasted. I'm not saying it's the best thing that we load our children with gifts. I'm actually very against that idea because I was that kid and I saw what it did to me. But what I am saying is in the reality of it, part of the fun is giving the gifts to your children or giving your gifts to your family or to your friends and seeing the reaction from the gift. So the gift in that sense makes a difference on the impression of the gesture. If it was just a promise, it wouldn't feel the same. We have a hard time seeing vision. We want to see the fruit of the vision, but it's hard to buy into a vision that's manifesting. It doesn't mean God didn't say it wasn't going to happen. It's just if I don't see it yet, I'd rather wait till it happens to believe God. It's kind of like Lazarus we talked about last week, raising from the dead. And we've entered this Christmas season, a season of now online shopping fights, you no longer have to fight your people in the parking lot because you can fight them at the, at the digital carts online as those things drop out of your queue. She's getting ready to buy something, bam, it's gone. The next person got it. Lost shipments, 
Amazon's got so many deliveries coming and going. We got returns. We got deliveries. We got everything going. We started supplementing the delivery guys with some snacks because we were wearing them out. Lost shipments. Start getting refunds for things I never bought, Nate. I'm like, okay, blessing. I'll take it. We're also in the season, though, that stirs great joy at its inception. And there's a special delivery on the way. Some will fail to see the value in this gift because it doesn't look like anything to some people. In fact, to some people, dare I say, it doesn't look like it's, it's insignificant. Isn't that sad that maybe the best gift can look insignificant on the surface because it doesn't look like what I've expected? But it could be a delivery so great that yeah, while still in its manufacturing process, still while I was in the bowels of the factory being made and planned, miracles were evolving beneath the surface of what should happen when that product hits the shelf, hits the order. We're talking about the Messiah. The promise of the Messiah is the reason behind the season or the reason behind the celebration we call Christ Mass. Because God may not be visible in your situation right now, but he's already planned out your celebration for tomorrow. You may feel like God's not been visible in your 2020 right now in the last few months, but he's been planning all along your celebration for tomorrow when you stay faithful. Remember the passage, the baby leaped. When he saw Jesus? No. When did he leap? When he heard Mary's voice. He didn't even hear God yet. He heard Mary, and it was close enough because he knew the proximity based on the presence. Oh, touch your neighbor, tell him, you need some presents this Christmas. Lots of presents. Not that kind of presence. Presents. E-N-C-E, not E-N-T-S. I'm not a spelling major, but they're two different words. I'm not saying you need lots of presents with a T. You need lots of presents with a C, like John in the womb. Could I be rubbing shoulders right now with the presence of God? What if the presence of God was so close to me right now that there's babies leaping in wombs all around me. What if it was that strong, that when God spoke through you, that babies leaped as you went through Target this week and you didn't even know it? We need lots of presence this season to witness the miracle. Lots of presence, lots of presence, lots of presence. What captivated me about John, now let's get this straight. This is not John the Apostle who we just did the Up Close and Personal series. This is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, and they're about the same age, approximately, as much as we know. And their moms were cousins also, so that made them second cousins. And they lived life at the same time. But remember, there was a gap where John grew up, and then he started preaching repentance all those years later in their early 30s when, when Jesus, well, around 30, when Jesus would have announced his ministry because high priests declared their ministry at 30 years old, and Jesus was our high priest according to the 
law of the Old Testament. But what fascinated me about this entire passage was the awareness John had. Touch your neighbor, tell him, awareness. 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 God is closer than you think. And the pastor can keep preaching it in your ear, but until you are aware of his presence, you will never feel like God is close. And you will never feel like God understands. And you will never feel like God is there for you because a lack of awareness is, I didn't say it was a lack of presence. There's plenty of gifts underneath this tree. What this is, is a lack of awareness to the presence. The presence of the holy, infinite God who is there. He's omnipotent. He can't leave you and go over here. He's there. He's omnipresent. We've talked about this. How can a God who's omnipresent leave me when he's everywhere at once? He can't. He can't. So John the Baptist, or little baby Johnny in the womb, had an overwhelming amount of awareness. You know what they call that in the spiritual world? Discernment. Discernment. When you are discerning, you are aware of what you are dealing with. A lack of discernment is a lack of awareness between the devil and God. Let me tell you, when Eve ate the fruit in the garden, that was a lack of awareness between the devil and what God said. And that's what awareness will do, is discernment. The the Bible goes on to say, uh, the Apostle John wrote, that um, try the spirits, that you know if they are of God or of not. Because just because it's a spirit doesn't mean it's a Holy Spirit. And so there's an awareness that comes with your Christian walk that if you aren't aware, you could get devoured. If you aren't aware of the surroundings of the building, someone could come in. If you aren't aware of everything happening, I've been watching a lot of Tim Kennedy lately, love, love his videos, Sheepdog on YouTube. If you're not aware of your surroundings, that's when the wolf comes in to attack the sheep. It's easy to forget that God is always close. He's been with you since coronavirus started. Yes, he has. Where's the camera? Here's the camera. He has been with you since coronavirus. He was with you on the ventilator. Well, I don't know why God, I don't know why God would do those things either. I don't know why God would allow those things. Excuse me. How dare I say that God would punish us? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God allows things. And though he felt distant when you were battling that and when you lost them and when they got that diagnosis that didn't make sense, he was still there. Those things can distract us from no longer being aware of his presence. His presence doesn't wander off. We always say a thing in church, the presence of the Lord was strong. But just like Jesus of Nazareth, who couldn't do many miracles because they said he was just a carpenter, it's not that the presence grew stronger, it's that the awareness of the body of Christ grew more aware of his presence. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That's a pretty big deal because if you no longer have to draw the spirit near, we like to say that too, we like to draw God in. How can we draw God in when he's already there? What we're doing is we're opening up our hearts and our spiritual ears to be aware of his presence. And that will cause a baby to leap in the womb. 
that will cause a baby. Who says there's no life in there? Last time I checked, no life, no jump in the womb. That's a life. God gives life. God takes away. And that baby was jumping for joy because he was aware of the proximity based on the presence of God in that space. Cultural distraction can block easily your awareness of God's presence. It's real easy to tune it out. Tune it out. I used to have this really bad, I still deal with it. I think it's a really bad coping mechanism. Maybe any Dr. Phil's in the audience or somebody that knows this, but I think, I think avoidance is always considered a bad thing. And so what I'd always do to deal with a problem is avoid it. That's not good. Because the problem doesn't really go away. I just keep making myself numb to it, not aware to it. And like, instead of, instead of confronting someone who's maybe hurt me for years and years out of love, I'd rather just not look at them because if I don't have to look at them, I don't have to think about what they did, you know? But the problem with that and distraction in general is it never solves problems. It just temporarily delays dealing with the problem so we can distract ourselves from being aware. And in, 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 the, in, the, in the smartphone generation, Forget Generation Y, Z, all this. Call it Generation Smartphone Robot. That's what it should be called. We live by distraction. We're, we're in the phone with our brain. Our brain is doing half the logic all day through the emails and all the things. I'm guilty of it. I'm, I'm like part computer. I, I really feel like Iron Man sometimes. When my phone dies, we've preached about this. When my phone starts dying, I'm dying inside. Get me a charger station. We're at the airport and there's no charger stations because all the people are on them. We're like, what are we going to do? batteries are dying. How can we go on Facebook while we wait the 13-hour layover in the Miami airport? Yes, it was 13. That's a long time. How many laps do we get around the Miami airport to distract ourselves from that layover? I'm not bitter about it. Jeez, that was a long time, though. So we're the cell smartphone generation. We're living in a distracted world, and we can easily be numb to the presence of God because we're distracted by all the alerts, all the notifications, all the ring chimes, all the different games that need updates, all the different comments or likes people put on our social posts or didn't put on them. It's all the same thing, a distraction from the presence that has never lingered nor left you. Do you live life expecting God to deliver you something? God said, I'm sending the baby. He's in the womb. I'm sending the baby and he's not here yet. Do you believe God's sending the baby today? Come on, somebody. Maybe the baby is that thing you've been waiting on forever. Feels like an eternity. Maybe that baby is someone you just wish would come to church with you and they still won't. It's been 20 years. Maybe the baby shows up in year 21. Seen it happen. God could never save them and then he does. I've seen it happen. The baby is coming. And I'm just thinking about that verse 45. We're going to go there in a second. It's weird that Mary, uh, Elizabeth blessed Mary for believing. Why would she do that? What are you expecting? What is around you right now? What are you expecting? Are you believing the promise of the angel? Gabriel has shown up at your house. It said, yeah, you want that for your church? Jump all in. 
because it's right around the corner. Oh, I know you can't see it yet, but somebody else does. And if it's been promised according to the calling of God's purpose, it's not if, it's when. The enemy loves to distract us from being aware of his presence. I don't know about you, but a really good time to worship God for me and like some just worship therapy is in the car. I'm not saying that's my church. I'm in church. I come to God's house to worship with my community when we're not just online, of course. But when I need my time or exercising, I'm on a treadmill, it's worship music. I've been really listening to the Belonging Co. Um, I just want you, nothing else. No, that's, that's nothing else. That's Cody Carnes. Anyway, it's all good stuff. But what, what happens is I feel like God's presence enters. But I'm really lying to myself because God's presence never left. He never left. If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, how could his presence have left me? That doesn't make sense. So that's a cultural thing I've adapted to condition myself for when I don't feel the presence of God, I can say his presence wasn't near. But that God said, I never left you. So quit, quit saying it's my fault, okay? God says, quit saying that I, I'm not showing up to your situation when maybe you're not aware of my presence. Is this making sense? You see how we got it flipped? We say, God, come close, and God says, I'm already standing here in the fire. And there's another in the fire. Remember the fourth one in the fire? Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, and Jesus. Remember, he was in the fire with you this year. But it takes an awareness. But Elizabeth wasn't having distraction. I believe when Mary entered the room, it was quiet. I don't think there was a bunch of hollering and TVs blasting and, and election stuff going on the TV full blast because maybe the other person in the room can't even hear the TV unless it's at 99 and it's so loud and everything's going on and there's some kid fussing about a video game and there's all these things. I don't think that's what it was. I think Elizabeth knew to remove the distraction, which is what allowed the baby to hear Mary, which is what allowed the Spirit of God that was in Mary's womb to go forth from her. Remember, God spoke life. He spoke the world, and yet here he speaks again, and as he speaks, it says the spirit went in, and the baby did something. It reacted to the filling of the spirit. There's a reaction when God moves in your life. There's a confirmation when God does something in your life. The baby reacted to the power of God being in his presence. Oh, that's really good. You're telling me that you can't, you can't serve God faithfully because you just don't understand when a baby in the womb was reacting to the power of God who had nothing but an umbilical cord to sustain his life? If the baby can do it, you can do it. If the baby can feel it, you can feel it. It's about awareness. It's about awareness. But as you get, hard, as you get older, it, you get smarter. Dumber, smarter, which one is it? You get smarter, which makes, uh, I'm like, the older I get. Wisdom is knowing how, how smart, stupid you really are. That's what wisdom really is as you get older. And, and for us, it's I'll believe it when I see it. I was just telling somebody the other day, well, I'll believe it when I see it, okay? Talk is cheap, I'll believe it when I see it. And we're talking about something not church-related because it wasn't spiritual, it was carnal. And, and the baby believed before it saw. It, it believed before it saw. It was believing before seeing. It was believing before seeing. 
The baby leaped. What if we leaped before we saw the presents on Christmas morning? I'm not talking about where mom puts them around the tree early so you get a hint of like what's coming. I'm talking about there's nothing there. The tree looks barren, but mom says it's going to be plentiful. The presence will be great if you are aware of what God is doing, and it, it shall happen. And can you, can you leap for joy in that moment? Sometimes that's the only option. When the views are down, everything's shut down, the failure rate is like 98%. Everybody's telling you why it won't work. There's no money to pay the bills. There's no interest. There's no spark. There's no fire. This feels barren like Job. Will you leap? Because Gabriel said he will come. He is coming. Will you believe? Will you believe? We need lots of presence this season to witness the miracles in this church and in your walk towards purpose with God. The baby witnessed something special, intangible, in, priceless, and that was his presence. Oh, God, this is a different kind of value. This is a different kind of seeing. This will max that credit card out in one swipe and then some because it's priceless when you are aware of what the power of God's presence can do to any situation. Blind eyes can be opened. Lame people can, can be healed to walk. The mute can speak like all these thing. Deaf people can hear. Dead bodies lifted from the grave. I mean, God can do things when you're aware of his presence because that allows God to operate in your situation. Manifestation of my belief is what causes me to see. What if your greatest witness of God is his presence? Remember in verse 45, I read this over and over, and I thought it was strange because Elizabeth said to Mary, she pulled a Bob Dole, blessed is Mary, blessed is she. Bob Dole, anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Why is she telling her, blessed are you, Mary, because you believe? Like, had she experienced something different recently? If you go to chapter 1 again, in verse 11, not only was this right around the time that Mary had been given the message from the angel that she was going to carry the promise of the Messiah to redeem man for all his sin and be, be made, have an option to be put back in union with God, our creator. We are the bride, he is the groom. You know, the body of Christ, we are one, and all those things. But at the same time, Elizabeth and Zacharias had received a message that they were going to have a baby. Now, I don't know if you notice the pattern here, but babies don't come too easy sometimes in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah. Now we have Zach and Liz. You know, Zach and Liz down the street, 1422 Smith Street. Zach and Liz, they said an angel was telling them about having a baby. She's had nothing but problems. That's not going to work. There's no eggs in there. Oh, I learned about that. There's no, there's, no, there's no this. There's no that. There's no 
whatever. I don't get graphic. It might make somebody's stomach turn. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no possible way. Remember, Sarah, Sarah she, uh, she said, I'm too old. Now I'm jumping back. And Abraham said, well, I'll figure it out. I'll just go get the, the maidservant pregnant because that's what God would want. Don't we, don't we kind of make a bad decision based on another bad decision? Like we, we doubt, so then we go make a worse decision to, to, to remedy our doubt, and now we're really feeling bad? Anyway, so now we have Zacharias and Elizabeth in verse 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. He was actually scared. What is going on? But the angel of the Lord said, Do not be afraid, Zach, for your prayer is heard. Zach had prayed about this. God, give me a child. He prayed about it. Do we believe that God will answer prayer? Zach evidently doubted. He says, do not be afraid, Zach, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby. You're going to have a son. You shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall not drink wine, strong drink. There's no alcohol in the high priesthood. Just so you know, go look at the law. Jesus was our high priest. John also was spoken by the angel to have no strong drink or wine. Just as a plug, Jesus is our model. That's how I live. He's our template for how we live. So we use the word to drive how we live. And that's for you to digest. But he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, and even from his mother's womb, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember it said the Spirit filled John in the womb? And then here it is just a few days earlier, or however long it was, that the angel told Zach that your baby in the womb would be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's crazy. That's crazy. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord of their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared. Whoa, prepared. Didn't we just talk about that last week? Preparation. To be prepared for the Lord. There's a connection between preparation and awareness. Because if you're not aware that there's a need, you won't ever prepare to satisfy the calling to fill the need. Zacharias said to the angel, verse 18, how shall I know this for I'm old? My wife, he says it nicely because she was standing nearby, is well advanced in years. I know what he really said. He says, she's old. She's old and I'm old and there is no baby happening in this. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. There it is again. And I was sent to speak to you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe. Promise my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. 
You did not believe, Zach. So Elizabeth says in 45, so blessed you, Mary, because my husband doubted what the angel said, and the angel was in the presence of the Lord. So if I'm standing in the presence of the Lord, and God says it shall be done, and I still don't believe, what's going to happen? It's going to happen. What's going to happen is what happened in Nazareth. Nothing. Nothing will happen. For their faith was little, so he could not do many miracles there. That's, that's, that's when they accused him of just being the, the carpenter's son, Jesus. See, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So Mary knew better, and Elizabeth knew better. Never to doubt the calling when you're in the presence, because the presence is truth. And he doubted. And so God actually muted his mouth. He couldn't talk for a bit. Elizabeth said, that's okay. He talks too much anyway. I could go a few. I could go nine months. I could go nine months. Michelle, would you have been happy that I could probably not like, go nine months while you're pregnant while I couldn't talk? Because, you know, I would just get on your nerves or something, right? You'd be happy once in a while, especially towards the third trimester. Like, you'd be really happy. Like, could you just, sh- can you just shut up, Jeff? It's a joke, people. She don't yell at me like that when anybody's around. Anyway, Zach didn't believe. Love you, babe. Zach didn't believe. So Elizabeth witnessed the doubt and the problem from the doubt and the lack of fulfillment of the miracle because of the doubt. So now she's seeing Mary come along saying something similar, and she's going, okay, I'm listening this time because there's something about Mary. There's something about Mary. And just so you know, church, when we're listening to God, guess what he's doing? He's listening to us. God is listening right now. God is listening when we're pleading for him to hear our cry. God says, I'm in the fire with you. Why are you begging me for something that I'm hearing right now? It's not that I never heard you. It's that you didn't know I was listening because you were not aware of my presence. This is good. This is good. I might go watch this again. This is good. I might preach this to myself because every time I feel like I'm numb and I don't feel the Holy Ghost and did it leave me? And God says, no, I won't leave you or forsake you. How many times do I have to tell you that? It's that you're not aware of my presence. My presence isn't based on how many likes you get. And my presence sure isn't based on how many people you impress. And my presence isn't based on what kind of gifts you get under the tree this year because my presence are holy ones. It's spelled different. It's the omnipotent presence of my spirit. You can't contain me in a box. And I'm listening. I'm listening. When you listen, God listens back. The baby leaped, then the spirit filled. Action. Action. I believe, God, I'm going all in. God said, boom, I'm going to touch you and shake up your soil, even in the womb. If that's when you call on me, that's when I'll intervene. If that's when you allow me in, that's when I'll intervene. If that's when you establish the awareness of my presence that's been there all along, then that's when I'm going to shake up your life. Maybe you're 20. Maybe you're 15 when it happens. Maybe you're seven and a half. Maybe you're 42. Maybe you're 80 years old. Maybe, maybe you're 90 and God says, I was here all along. Witness his presence today. If we get into his presence, he'll begin to deliver things to us that will shake us up, that will wreck the soil 
we thought we had a good foundation on. We'll learn that the soil we were standing on had problems to begin with. We've got this leak right now in our foundation, right where the water main comes into the house. And it's just a slow leak. And it rains, and all of a sudden, it's just a leak going into the drain tile. Thank God, because it would have flooded the basement. And we already had that problem happen once. Remember that one at the lake? The house flooded. Oh, that was a different sermon. See, preaching is really about just dumping my, my issues on you guys. Keep you awake. Just kidding. I pray that God can use our situations that are somewhat humorous in hindsight to reveal God's word through them and touch your hearts. And so we've got this leak, and the guy comes over, and my brother's always like, always there to give me good advice. He says, that's your foundation. Before I talked to the foundation guy, my brother said, that's your foundation. And he was right. My grading had sunk. You know, the, ha- the house takes about seven years for the soil to kind of sink, and evidently it sunk. And so I was building up water in front of this bay window, and guess where the water was coming from? Right there. So this is a side plug. I'm thankful for people that plant seeds of wisdom and saved me a lot of heartache in life. It's good to have good people in your life, mentors, leaders, that can help you avoid stumbling who've already been through it. So I'm thankful for that. And my brother, I always give him props. He's one of my biggest mentors in my life today. But the foundation had a problem because the water was building up. So what establishing an awareness of his presence does is it gets you to look at your soil different. It gets you to look at your underlying foundation different and that what seemed pretty good maybe is problematic in the long run. What seemed holy and unbreakable in the short run actually was my will here on earth, not Lord, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It was my will on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this daily bread and I'm going to go to McDonald's. I don't want your bread. My will be done. I mean, your will be done. That's a hard one. That's a, that's a kingdom builder series coming next year. See, see, all this is about our will versus his. And I believe, and you can all stand with me as we close here. I believe the baby leaps so easy and God just filled, filled the baby with the spirit so easy because the baby was so young and pure, it didn't have a reason yet to doubt God. It didn't have a motive for Instagram. It, it didn't have a plan yet for attention. It didn't have a dysfunctional family that wrecked its childhood so when it grew up it had, it had depression issues. It didn't, it didn't have any of that yet. It was fresh in the womb. Isn't it funny how God said no wine, no strong drink? And you will house the Holy Spirit. And he is in, he is in the, the womb still. He is as fresh and pure as it can get in the womb. It can't get any purer than that. The moment that baby hits air, the world starts impressing it. So I believe God wants to do the same thing to our life wherever we're at. And it's all about that ability to discern and be aware of his presence. And it's never too late. Isn't that good? We can all be John. We can all go back to being baby John, even though I'm getting the real, the weird. Anybody get the weird eyebrow hair thing? Like you hit 40 and you start getting a weird hair in your eyebrow. Like what is up? I just want to be John again. I don't, I don't even have eyebrows in the womb. I'm okay with that at this point. I don't have to pluck them and do all that. 
because I'm vain. Because when I was in the womb, I wasn't vain and superficial. See, when I was in the womb, I didn't care what people think. I just wanted to be in his presence. That was no more uno. I didn't have all the junk to distract me. Can we say junk? I didn't have my junk in the trunk of my life distracting me. So we got to strip it back. We got to strip it back. He's listening right now, but he's expecting you to hear something. He can listen all day to your cry right now, but he's expecting you to hear something back. And it's not going to always sound like what you asked for, but it's a spiritual ear to hear and feel his presence. And that will get you leaping into 2021. That'll get you leaping in 2020. You know, I know maybe we haven't had it the roughest and maybe if we lost a loved one or something, we would be speaking different right now because it's been a crushing year. But there's never a situation that should take away your joy for leaping for God. So I've been seeing a lot of these memes like, see you 2020, can't wait to get rid of you. And I'm thinking maybe it's been the best thing that ever happened to this world. Maybe it's been the best thing, at least in my generation. Maybe it's been the best thing in my personal life to happen to me to get me to reevaluate the soil. And I hate, I hate suffering. And I don't, I don't wish that on anybody. But maybe I shouldn't be wishing away the thing that is shaping my future. Maybe we shouldn't be wishing away the thing that showed what kind of church we are, that we have integrity, that we will stand no matter what. Maybe we shouldn't be wishing away the thing that tested our faithfulness. You erase history, you erase what got you there. We don't want to erase how God got us there because we're on our way to the promised land. And we're going to be fighting over that switch, Nate. We're going to be fighting over who flips the lights on at the place when we get a place and we don't have to do, do the thing and, and the setup and all this because we're, 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 we're lavishing it. We're, 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 we're salivating over the process because we know how great it's going to taste when we get to fight over that light switch. Because God said it's coming. It's coming, and God's got a promise for you this Christmas, and it's coming because tis the season for lots of his presence in the anointing of his spirit. I've got a God who listens to my cry. God says, I'm doing something. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in your name, the only proper name that you have, that your name says you shall redeem us from our dirty sin and you make us one with you. And that is Yeshua in the Greek Jesus or the English Jesus, save me from my sins for we shall send a savior and he shall save his people from his sins. And God, we know that when we invoke your name, when we speak life and we give action, God, that something's gonna happen, that we have to move when you move, that when you speak, we have to leap the womb. We have to be willing to leap. And now watch everybody leap for us because I got to leap for myself. And God, we believe it. We've seen it. And we're ready for the next thing. And we're going to keep riding this wave of the presence of God because it can't be taken from us. No matter how numb the world and the situation gets, no matter how many things run out at our fingertips, no matter how many supplies aren't on the shelves, no matter how bad our life gets, your presence cannot leave us. So God, we give praise right now and we thank you that our awareness never dwindles. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, everybody together, amen.